right. My name is Todd, and I'm going to tell you a couple things that, uh, that our family's been loving about HC uh, recently. Uh, going out on uh, bike rides and jogs around the neighborhood, uh, my kids have spotted a lot of these HC yard signs. And uh, so we'll be out riding, and they'll be like, hey, look over there. And so it's been fun to discover some of you who live in the neighborhoods around us. We've really enjoyed that. The other uh, thing that we're really loving is the virtual VBS. Uh, our younger kids, we've been doing those, and they've been watching the videos and then doing the family activities, and we've been having a blast with that and are really looking forward to the, the last two weeks in July for those last two uh, VBS lessons. So that's a couple things we've been loving. And now today, we are going to embark on an eight-week journey through the book of Psalms called If I'm being honest. And I know air travel has been greatly reduced. You might have had to cancel some flights that you had scheduled over the last few months. Uh, but today, we're just going to pretend to get an airplane and we've got a window seat. So we're up in the clear blue sky and we're looking out that window and we're looking out over the book of Psalms. And there's going to be a few observations that we're going to make as we do this just to kind of introduce this book. The first thing we're going to notice as we look out the plane is that the book of Psalms is a collection of 150. That is a big number. That's a lot. It's 150 ancient Hebrew poems, songs, and prayers. And that makes it, my friends, the longest, yes, the longest book of the Bible. Now, David, a prominent figure in the Old Testament, he wrote about half of the, the, the poems in the book of Psalms, and that means that about half were written by others. So there are different authors. There's also some internal structure to the book of Psalms. You might notice at the beginning of, of Psalm 1, Psalm 42, and others that it says book 1, book 2. There's actually uh, five books within this one book, so there is some internal structure uh, and, and some intentional arrangement there to this collection of 150 poems. All right? Uh, something else, we're, we're still looking out the window and we're going to notice some other stuff, and I just want you to help me with this. Uh, so are you ready to help me? Everybody clap your hands. No, 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 no. No, today we're going to be snapping our fingers because psalms are poems. And that's what we do with poetry. I don't know, maybe you've been around that before, but we don't clap our hands. We snap our fingers. And so periodically you may find me snapping because I'm like, this is some good poetry here. And you're welcome to join in with me. And so psalms, they are poetry. Some of you are like, ah, I don't like poems, none of that stuff. It's not for me. And I would say just hold on. Let's give it a shot. A lot of the music that you bob your head to as you're cruising down the road, uh, that's just poetry put to music. And in this collection of 150, many of these poems were meant to be accompanied by music and sung by the community of God. There are others that were written for private devotion and prayer. And so let's, let's, let's give this poetry, let's, let's give it a shot. Now, there's different types of poems in here. We've got uh, wisdom poems. We've got some poems that point to the Messiah. But there's really two big categories of poems. And so we've got a couple of buckets here. And so you've got uh, praise, uh, praise psalms, and you've got 
lament psalms. And so we've got our buckets here. And uh, in the lament, <laughs> it's hard to bend over. I, I just realized I made some noises. I did that. Sound effects. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, in the lament bucket, you've got emotions and you've got things such as pain. Boom. You've got uh, confession. No. And you've got anger. Oh, I was going to go, but I made it. That was a good shot. Thank you very much. All right. And, and in, the lament, in the lament Psalms, uh, the author is drawing attention to what's wrong in the world and asking God to step in and help. We've got one shot left. Over here in the praise bucket. We've got different emotions, we've got joy, we've got celebration, we've got gratitude. Yes! All right. And so we've got that. A lot of the, the, these poems, some, or some of them I should say, might start here in the lament bucket. And they're saying, God, man, I'm scared about what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen. Please come in and help me. And then by the end of the poem, the author has moved over to the praise bucket saying, God, you've always been there for me in the past, so I'm going to keep trusting you. I'm going to keep praising you and leaning into you. And so that's the, the different types of poetry that we have here. We're looking out the window, and we might ask the question, what is the value of Psalms today? I'd say that's a good question to ask. Why is this important for us? Why do we need to look at these poems that were written you know, a long time ago, these love poems to God? Why, uh, why, why do we need to look at this? How, how, how is this important or how is this relevant for us? So those are good questions. Some commentators making some observations of the book of Psalms have written this. They said, the Psalms do not function primarily for the teaching of doctrine or moral behavior. So that means... The, the, the main purpose here is not to instruct us on what to believe or on how to behave. They continue, their function rather is to give us inspired models of how to talk and sing to God. So you might think of the book of Psalms as a songbook, as many of these were written to be accompanied by music and sung by the community of God. You might go further and say, see the book of Psalms as a prayer book. They're teaching us how to pray to God. We're, we're calling this, if I'm being honest, because the authors of this collection of 150 poems are very honest and transparent with God. There is raw emotion here. There is anger. There is sadness. There is despair. There is fear. On the, on the, on the, the same, same hand there, though, they, there's, they're also real with their joy, with their praise, with their celebration, with their thanksgiving to God. And so here's the, the main purpose, the big idea of the book of Psalms. They teach us to be honest with God in communicating our deepest emotions and needs to Him. Good, bad, and ugly. Because our human experience covers all of that. Good, bad, and ugly. So they teach us to be honest with God and also, they teach us to respond with praise and thanksgiving to what he has done. If the Psalms are like a prayer book for us. You may be thinking about your prayer life, and you may say, man, it's just, it's just kind of dry right now. I say the same thing every day. And so something that might freshen up your prayer life a little bit is praying Scripture. We've talked about that here before. 
you could pray Scripture, and then specifically, well, if the Psalms are like a, a prayer book, let's pray Psalms. And how that might look is taking one of these 150 different Psalms, reading a verse or two, and then talking to God honestly about how that relates to what's on your heart. The fears you have, your concern for the future, your concern for health or for family members. And so you'll read a verse or two and talk to God about how that relates to your experience. Then read another verse or two and talk to God about how that relates to to what's on your heart until you have prayed through that entire psalm. We're actually going to model that during the message today. So that's our airplane view of the book of Psalms. And I'm going to tell you something that's not on, on my bucket list is skydiving. I've got zero desire for that adrenaline rush, all right? Not, not looking to go do that. But since we're just pretending, let's go ahead and jump out of the plane, open the parachute, and take a close look at Psalm 1, which serves as an introduction to this collection of, of Psalms. And, and points us or encourages us to delight in the Word of God. So please stand as Psalm 1 is read aloud for us this morning. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked... They are like worthless shafts scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Thank you, Lord, for your word. You may be seated. So this Psalm 1, we're going to break it into three sections, and we're going to address three things in each of these sections because three is the magic number. The, the first thing that we're going to do is we are going to have a, a rhyming word and a, a line of a, a first grade uh, level poem that I'm going to attempt to make. So a poem about the poem. The second thing is we're going to model praying that section of the psalm. And the third thing is we're going to provide a little explanation of what the word of God is saying here. And so the, the first thing on this first section, our, our, our key rhyming word here is roots. And our line is, better check your roots. That was a good line. That was a good line. Better check your roots. In other words, what is your source of instruction or guidance for life? Where are you getting your worldview from? Right? What is your source? Where are your roots in, in, in which you're drawing your worldview, your perspective on life, on decision-making, and things of that sort? The first two verses read, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. And so there are two places to, to plant your roots, right? Ungodly uh, a worldly uh, view, or you could plant your roots in the Word of God. So if we were praying this, we might read those verses and then, and then pray something like this. Lord, please protect me from being led astray by ungodly advice. I'm having to make decisions right now. I'm thinking about this that's on my heart. Please keep me uh, from ungodly advice. Teach me to keep your word uh, on my mind throughout the day and, and let it guide these decisions. And then if we're going to give a little explanation. So number three here. This psalm starts off, oh, the joys. 
and we just want to stop right there. Oh, the joys. This is good stuff. This is positive. Oh, the happiness. Oh, the blessing. Oh, the joys. I want the joys. And I bet you want the joys too. Oh, the joys of those who do not have their roots planted among the ungodly. But oh, the joys of those who delight in the word of God, meditating on it day and night. Meditating on it day and night. And so... Oh, here we go. Uh, I'm not uh, a big meat eater, uh, specifically steak. I know, I know. Some of you are going to throw rocks at me. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a big steak eater, and, and mainly because it creates a lot of awkward situations for me because I've got this esophagus issue, and so I'll be at lunch or dinner with someone, and then, you know, I, I had to just leave before because the food just won't go down, and my wife's sitting there at the table, and, you know, it, it, it's, been, it's created some... Trust me, okay? If you, if you know... if you. you you're listening to me now. You know I'm a little bit awkward. And so then when I have something else like that that just amplifies it, it gets crazy. And so I'm not a huge meat eater, steak eater, right? Uh, but, but let's say that we're eating some beef jerky. If you do take a bite of beef jerky, you're going to be chewing on it for a little bit. It's, it's rough. It's tough. And then if the seasoning is right, that, that flavor is going to stay on your lips for a long time. And everybody around you is going to know that, oh, you were eating some beef jerky, right? And so if we're meditating on the Word, delighting, delighting in the Word, meditating on it day and night, then the Word of God is always on our heart and our mind. It's on our lips. And so when we're praying, we're going to find ourselves praying Scripture, right? And, and, and when we're having to respond to a situation, we're going to find ourselves uh, speaking the Word of, of, of God, when we're having to make a decision, it's going to be based on God's instruction because, because we're delighting in God's word. Our roots are down in that, and so our, our, it's, it's providing instruction and guidance for our life, for our actions, for our thoughts. Oh, the joys of those. I want those joys. Corrie ten Boom, a special, special lady. Her and her family uh, played a role and in, in protecting, hiding, uh, getting to safety Jews during the Holocaust. And her and many members of her family were arrested because of their efforts. They were placed in concentration camps and some of her family died in those camps. She survived and she would go on to be an author, uh, writing books such as The Hiding Place, which you may be familiar with. She became a global speaker, uh, speaking of God's love and, and forgiveness. And in her book, The Hiding Place, uh, she writes in, 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 different, different, in different spots there, she writes about how the Word of God, the scriptures that they were able to get their hands on in, in the prison camps, uh, she writes about how that Word of God sustained them and, and, and was a treasure for them in that place. I'm going to read a couple of excerpts. I had been sustaining myself from the scriptures a verse at a time. Now, like a starving man, I gulped entire gospels at a reading, seeing whole the magnificent drama of salvation. She continues, sometimes I would slip the Bible from its little sack with hands that shook. So mysterious had it become to me. It was new. It had just been written. I marveled sometimes that the ink was dry. I had believed that the Bible, the, the Bible always, but reading it now had nothing to do with belief. 
It was simply a description of the way things were, of hell and heaven, of how men act and how God acts. Some people aren't happy even when they've got everything this world has to offer. Yet Corey found joys even in the concentration camps. True joy, true happiness belongs to the person who has their roots, their source of guidance in God and his word. And that brings us to the second section of this psalm. And our key rhyming word is, well, it's got to rhyme with roots. And so, fruits. Fruits. All right. Better check your roots. Come on, come on, come on. Help me out. Better check your roots. For it determines your fruits. All right. Bada bing, bada boom, drum, you know, cymbals there, crash. All right. Better check your roots for it determines your fruits. The Verses 3 and 4 say this. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. If we were praying this... We might stop, and, and we, when we read about the, the trees that are bearing fruit and that, are pro, uh, that, are, that, are, that, that prosper and everything, we might think about Christ followers that we know. And we might think about how we see God in their life, and we see, them, uh, uh, we see them the joy that they have, and we see how they are a blessing to others. And so we might, might pray a prayer of thanks for them. We might say, Lord, thanks for the way that I'm seeing you work through this person's life. I definitely see your hand on them. Uh, please continue to use them and bless others through their life. Now third, for an explanation of this section, where you've got your roots determines the quality of your life here. Uh, the fruitfulness for God, uh, I should say, of your life now. A tree with roots down deep in rich soil, bearing much fruit, or worthless chaff. And you say, what in the world is that? I'm like, I'm not a farmer. I don't know what, the, what this is talking about here. Uh, well, you get the idea of a tree that has green leaves and that's, you know, got juicy fruit. We, we get that idea. But this chaff uh, with, with, with wheat, it would be brought in and it would be beaten or trampled upon and then tossed in the air. And the grain would land down, uh, back down, and the husks around that grain would be could be blown away by the wind, and that, that, that husk is the chaff, and it's worthless, it's useless. The grain is the good stuff, the chaff, the husk, the shell, that's no good. It's worthless. Well, I want to be fruitful. I don't want to be useless in this life that we have. And the Word of God teaches us about this. Uh, we go back, and, and we, see, we see this, and it reminds us maybe of Joshua. In the Old Testament book of Joshua, Moses is no longer leading uh, the community, the people of God, and Joshua is stepping into that leadership role. So God, in, in Joshua chapter 1, God has given him some instructions, given him some encouragement to, to prep him for that position because it's going to be tough. And in chapter 1, verse 8, the Lord says to Joshua, do not let this, do not let this book depart from your mouth but meditate on it day and night. Sounds a lot like Psalm 1. Meditate on it day and night, being careful to, 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 to obey everything in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. He tells Joshua, if, if you're getting your guidance and your instruction from me and my word, then things, 
things will work out as you lead the people of God. Then we move to the New Testament. And Jesus, uh, he's among his friends, giving them, uh, having some last conversations with them just before he's arrested and crucified. In John chapter 15, and he gives a similar uh, illustration. Instead of a, a tree with fruit, he talks about a vine with fruit. And he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And he says, if you stay connected to me and my word, you will bear much fruit to the, to the Father's glory. But if you, the branch, are broken off from the vine, then you're useless, you're worthless, like this chaff in Psalm 1. Sounds a lot like Psalm 1. And, and if we're thinking about fruit, what, what, is this, what does this mean? Well, a few weeks ago, we were looking at the fruit of the Spirit and what it looks like when God, when God is working in a person. And we talked about love and joy and peace. And that fruit, it's, it's good for your life, but it's also a benefit to those around you, those that you're doing life with. And so, husbands, if, if you have patience, well, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out better for you. It's going to make your life more enjoyable, but it's also going to be a benefit to your spouse. Right? They're going to reap the benefits of your patience. Uh, students, if, if you have self-control, well, it's going to make your life smoother, uh, but it's also going to be a big blessing for your parents. Right? And so this fruit, it's good for us, but it's also, it's also a blessing and a benefit to those around us. We want to be a benefit to those around us. We want to be a benefit to society. And so I want to put my roots in God and His Word. In his word, which points us to his son. Moves us to the third section. All right, we've got roots and fruits. Our third rhyming word is boots. Better check your roots, for it determines your fruits, and on which path be your boots. And that takes us to this, this third section in verses 5 and 6, which say, They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Now, if we were praying this, uh, we're reading about, about judgment. Uh, we're reading about uh, God, uh, God watching over the path of the godly, but, but the wicked path leading to destruction. And so we're thinking about that, and we may pray something like this. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for writing my name in heaven uh, so that I know I am not condemned because Jesus died in my place. Amen. And you've prayed through an entire psalm. And, and your prayer life has, has freshened up a little bit as you've been praying the word of God. Now for some explanation of this last section. Uh, we, we see two paths. Uh, we see this road uh, or that road. We see obedient or disobedient. We see righteous or wicked. We see uh, saved in the hand of God. Or we see lost and separated from God. And as we think about these paths, we want to know which path we're on. Because at some point, all of us are going to And so we want to be prepared for when that happens. Delighting in God's word and in his son leads not only to a fruitful life now, but also in eternity. Jesus is the only way that we can be on that path of the godly. 
Because Jesus is the one who perfectly delighted in and kept God's word. And so then we can look to him. Judgment isn't just an Old Testament thing. We see it in the New Testament. In fact, in the last book of the Bible, Revelation talks about judgment. And in the description there in Revelation 20, it says the only way to, 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 to be able to enter into eternal life with God is if your name is written in heaven. And the only way a person's name can be written in heaven is if they've trusted in Jesus Christ who took our place, who was our substitute. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is, is, is in his Son. He who has the, has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Jesus spoke about this. He said there's two paths. There's, there's a wide road, and a lot of people are on it, but it leads to destruction. Sounds like Psalm 1. He says, and there's a narrow road, and few find it. And he says that he is the gate to that road. He is the way to get on that road. That's why we talk about trusting in Jesus all the time. That's why we talk about trusting in Jesus. Because we want a fruitful life not only now, but we want to experience joys. Oh, the joys. We also want to experience joys in eternity. And the only way to experience joys in eternity is to go through that gate, which is Jesus. And so if, 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 that's, if that's a step you need to take, I would encourage you to speak with a trusted Christian friend today. Uh, speak with uh, one of the pastors here. If you're watching online, you can text trust now to 94,000. And someone will be there uh, to follow up and, and, and to interact with you. And help you to take that step and, 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 and begin that journey of walking with Jesus. So, there's our introduction to the book of Psalms. And we've also uh, looked at Psalm 1. Hopefully now you can say, uh, nice to meet you. Uh, looking forward to getting to know you uh, really well over the next few weeks. And we want to remember uh, the purpose of Psalms is to teach us to be honest with God in communicating our deepest emotions and needs to him, good, bad, and ugly, because they're all part of the human experience, and then in responding with praise and thanksgiving to who he is and to what he has done. I'm going to invite the worship team uh, to join me here, and let's pray. Almighty God, thank you for Holy Spirit-inspired poems. Thank you for your word which points us to your son in whom we can find joys now and in eternity. God, let us be the ones. Let us be the ones that are chewing on, that are uh, delighting in, that are meditating on your word day and night. Let us be the ones who have roots deep in your word and in your son and are experiencing the joys as a result of that. In the name of Jesus Christ, your son and our savior, amen.